Hey, and welcome back to another episode of the Millennial Crisis Podcast. I have been waiting so long to find someone to have this conversation with, and I am so glad that I waited because today's guest is just as passionate about today's subject as I am. We are going to be talking all things social media, not how you can create the best marketing funnel for your business. I'm talking how we can make social media work for us rather than against us. Talking digital mindfulness, how we can start diversifying our feed and really understanding that we control these platforms and not the other way around. At least that's how today's guest puts it. She is a TEDx speaker, social media educator and founder of Wild and Form Digital. I can't wait for you to hear my chat with Ruby, who is today's guest. So let's jump straight into episode 36 of the Millennial Crisis Podcast, taking control of how you use social media. Ruby, thank you so much for coming on the Millennial Crisis Podcast. I'm really keen to have a chat with you today. Thank you for asking me, Demi. I am very excited to have this chat with you. I know it's going to be a good one. We've got a lot of uh, things in common, haven't we? We're on the same wavelength a lot of the time. Definitely, for sure. And speaking of that, uh, did you want to jump into letting everyone know what you do for work or how you describe what you do? Yeah, so I describe myself as a social media educator. There are really two parts to the business that I run as Wild and Form Digital. I work with enterprises, startups, small business owners, and I really help them to better understand how they can max out social media for their businesses. And the second part of my business is really working within schools, which is where you and I have that uh, connection, uh, working with schools, so parents, teachers, and young people in particular, to really prize open that conversation around social media that currently isn't really being had here in the UK but overarching whether I work with enterprise or whether I work with schools my mantra really is you control social not the other way around and that's the core that is the starting point for me whenever I'm working with a client because for me that's that's vastly important that they understand no matter whether they're using it for business or for pleasure or for connection or for building their own personal brand whatever it might be done on their terms and intentionally as well uh, we actually kind of got connected via LinkedIn I'd put something out talking about because I've been building a social mindfulness and social media education course for for students in in schools because similar to you in the UK there's nothing pretty much nothing out there on having these conversations in schools and it it was baffling to me that there was nothing like I think it was a government web page and it just had a few like tips probably written by the youngest person in the uh, (laughs) office there like it was it was quite it was really crazy to me and I put out that and a mutual friend a a colleague had tagged you in it saying that this is what you were doing and so I was really keen to get you on and talk about socials and there's so many crossovers like you mentioned like I always mention you know make social media or make the digital space work for you not against you which is like another one yeah another one on on the other side because you're based in the UK so it's it's, no one could tell by the accent right (laughs) 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 Yeah, so what I want to kick things off with is, first of all, 
How did this happen for you? How did you make the transition into social media education? Because as we mentioned, it is quite a broad space. And let's just talk about it in the education space pre the students and and all of that stuff. Yeah. I think it really emerged via my own experiences and the evolution of my business. So they happened concurrently, really. Um, you, You can we will testify to this we've spoken about this before haven't we you become so absorbed in social media uh, in that world it gets you hooked and I know a lot of your listeners will be able to experience this just from a personal level as well and we both know that because of the the makeup of the of the social media channels themselves they are designed specifically to keep us hooked and prior to me uncovering that knowledge I was one of those people that had got hooked because of of my business. And I began to experience something that was very, very uncomfortable. I I couldn't escape social. I'd I'd go to bed thinking about it. I'd wake up thinking about it. I felt when I was creating content that I ended up creating content almost for the computer system, the algorithm, Mm. rather than actually for the connection with my audience which is where I'd built my business and the success of it. So it started to warp into this space where I was like, I don't even know why I'm doing this anymore. Who am I doing this for again? And I found zero pleasure from that. And that for me was a real startling point because I started to discuss it with my, with my husband. And I thought, this, this isn't normal. Why is this happening? And surely I can't be the only person who's thinking or feeling this way about social and at the time this is about two years ago it wasn't really being discussed you know the idea of having a social media break you know no one would say such a thing you know it was all about be on always be there always be sharing content with your audience don't take a break the algorithm won't like it you'll drop your reach and all of that sort of stuff and I thought this is not healthy this is not healthy and I don't feel right within myself and mentally I don't feel like I'm in a good place So that was happening. Um, I then, every year, I always invest in myself in the business, my own CPD. So I'd I'd invested in a course that talked about being more uh, digitally conscious. And that concurrently really helped me to better understand what I was going through, why I was feeling this way. You know, the makeup of the social media channels, how it made us feel in terms of giving us that dopamine hit and then taking it away from us. you know almost dangling it in front of us again so there's lots of stuff that I uncovered that really felt to me that it was like it suddenly made sense and I thought right I get it and at the time the business was moving more into the space in terms of where I where I live I was be becoming known for you know social media education and so I'd get invited into schools uh, colleges I was asked to be mentor you know a mentor and so I'd uncover these conversations with young people about social, naturally, talking about that. And I thought, goodness, well, they, were all, they all seem to be saying very similar things to, to me. And I dig deeper about the curriculum, like you mentioned, is it being talked about? What, you know, what, do, what, is, what is on the curriculum? What are teachers actually talking to them about? And uncovered the fact that actually the wider conversation around social, the well-being around it, how we can look to understand the makeup of it and then grow the confidence and grow our techniques to step away from it when we want to isn't actually being uncovered so for me a bit like you probably it was a oh, why isn't this happening 
surely you know we need to be able to protect the you know the, the mental health and well-being of young people who are so absorbed in this world they're not you and I, like you and I Demi where we both had me in particular because I'm a lot older than you but I had one foot in the analog world and one foot in the digital world so I've got that uh recollection of a world without uh you know without social media mm. so for me I feel that even though I was sucked in and these you know young people nowadays are being thrust into that without choice surely there needs to be more guidance and more help and more support and more open honest dialogue around that subject it's so interesting when you say that because when we compare I mean you because you're Gen X and then I'm millennial and then we look at Gen Z it grabs everyone in different ways and you said you said something there saying how they don't have a choice and that is so spot on because there is no escaping it now. For me, when I was younger and for a lot of people that I still know, like I, there are still maybe like maybe one in 10 of friends that you might talk to that are totally off Facebook or totally off Instagram or totally mm-hmm. off something. Now, if you're a teenager and you don't have two Instagram accounts, like one private Finster account that they talk about and then a public account and then you're not on Snapchat and all of these other stuff, like you're missing out and that's where yeah. like FOMO has its meaning for us where we're missing out on real life events but for for the youth it's a totally different meaning you're missing out on every single aspect of what someone's doing or what mm. you could be doing so it's just so different and I think for us to not fully understand it they definitely can't fully understand it. So how do we even educate that if we're not even experiencing it ourselves to the extent? Well, I think it comes from an element of, okay, we're not fully in their shoes. And I can appreciate that. However, what we do have is that critical thinking of the world um, and the understanding that, that we can bring to them. We don't have to have had the exact same, you know, pathway that they've had, but our experience, we know what it's like as you get older, hindsight is a great thing, isn't it? We all say it, I'm experiencing it as I get older. So if I can share some of that and not dictate, that's not where it should be coming from, but that shared open conversation around social, well, how does that make you feel? Or what if you were to do this? And what if you, that were to happen? How would that feel? that kind of dialogue really hopefully gets them to think a little bit more critically about their this i imagine this desperate sense of need to always be in the loop and always connected you know in this sort of conversation you know it's not uncommon when i go into a primary school so aged uh, talking with children aged 9 10 11 and they're having these conversations themselves you know there was a uh, a recent conversation at my at my daughter's school talking about something that had happened on one of the social media channels they're below the legal age limit mm. you know it's supposed to be 13 but yet they've got access we all know that happens it's about having that dialogue as a parent as well at that early age to be able to say okay well what was that experience how did that make you feel did you want to be a part of that? How, you know, what do you feel as though you're missing out on? All of that conversation and really just have a conversation. Mm. And I think as parents, we put so much, well, I, I'm a parent, we put so much pressure on ourselves 
to always have the answer. And I do wonder if teachers always feel as though that that is the case, that they have to know exactly what to say. And sometimes, do you know what? I feel as though young people appreciate it if you were to say to them, look, okay, I don't have the exact same experience of, of you in this world. However, you know, I've got this education, I've read up on it, I've used the channels, I've got my, um, you know, my slightly worldly experience. So let me help guide you. I'm not going to have all of the answers, but we can work it out together. And it's that safe space, non-judgmental, collaborative space that they, where they know that if something happens, which invariably probably will either directly to them or indirectly, then at least they know they can come and talk to an adult and not a stranger on the internet mm-hmm. or somebody that they just randomly exactly. DM because yeah. <laughs> it happens. I thought it used to happen in just in the US. It doesn't. It happens here in the UK that they can actually come and talk to you. And that is critical, isn't it, Demi? I, I couldn't imagine in a lot of the millennial conversation events that we have, a lot of people talk about how they're, they're concerned for their younger siblings. They're concerned for mm-hmm. students that they have like now a lot of us are now like young teachers and, and different things like that and and the kind of concerns of how this is affecting them growing up. And one of the interesting things is you speak about having these open conversations within the household because it's thing of like who does the onus fall on mm-hmm. and it's a bit of everyone that has to have it play is. their part in it and I think the difference now for, for parents now versus my parents or your parents is that the way that kids grow up is so so different because now they have access to anything they want at the touch of a finger they can search up whatever they want they no longer hear these conversations from someone's older brother or sister they no longer grab a computer or a phone for an hour and can search up whatever Mm. they can in that short period of time which is what we could have done if we wanted they they can now do that and I did a digital wellness course and they spoke about how it's, it's quite troubling for a lot of extremist groups or conspiracy theorists and all of that stuff because they're able to find community and we all know the power of community. So it's, it's quite concerning for students that, could, that are developing can stumble across something, feel as though they're heard because these people are older and, and have more power and, and all of these kinds of stuff and then not feel comfortable to be able to have these conversations because they, they don't understand and as a parent like how is that concern or feeling for you yeah just as a parent and talking to other parents that I know you know that is a concern that opportunity for you know sort of extremists like you say to be to maximize the manipulation opportunity that they have within the platforms you know that 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 is a major concern as it would be for any parent which is why having the conversation about digital about you know openness about communication that cannot happen soon enough in my opinion Mm -hmm. rather than waiting until the moment you hand them a mobile which usually happens around the age of well it's happening earlier and earlier I don't know 10 11 maybe 9 is to be able to instead of just giving them this there's this um, theorist, um, his name escapes me now. He talks about the mobile phone being like a slot machine. 
many people would have heard of him. He was on the the Social Dilemma that's currently on available on Netflix. I think is it over? Is it available over in the in? Yeah, Australia? yeah, yeah. Everyone's been, yeah. yeah. I think cool. by this everyone's stage, everyone's seen it. it or across it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they, you know, they discuss there about the phone being like a slot machine. It is that you? It gives you this high whenever you want it, but it keeps you on tenterhooks. So instead of you giving this very, very powerful device, this very, very powerful kind of mindset device to your young child whose brain is still developing, whose emotional uh, cognition just, you know, again, is still evolving and is a, a very susceptible age. So to be able to do that and hand it over without any real deep, consistent, ongoing dialogue about tech and well-being and mental health um and and linking back to the real world the here and the now that 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 has to happen Mm. and like I say there's even if you did that though um I don't know and you had a list of perfect answers we know life is life right so you're never gonna get it perfect as a parent and that's not the aim the aim is to actually reassure your 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 child that they can come to you at a level and talk about an experience they've had or been exposed to or heard of second third hand in the playground and talk to you about it and go this happened I kind of don't know how to where do I go with that how do I feel I don't know can I talk to you that conversation may not evolve as straightforward as it is but it's as you as a parent being able to be alert to understanding that then that conversation may well happen one day and so therefore being there for for your child but on a level where they know that you know what I can talk to my parents my carers because they kind of get it rather than thinking do you know what they don't all they want to do is just get onto TikTok and do some stupid dance in the kitchen and embarrass the hell out of me as many parents did over lockdown (laughs) (laughs) but it's that they just won't get it so why would I bother do you know what? Instead, I'm going to talk to this rando on, on my DMs. And that's not, that is not what you want mm. at all. That's so fearful. Mm. Imagine. It's just yeah. that, that idea just really freaks me out. So that's why I encourage, you know, parents just and to have that conversation. And it isn't easy. I know. Mm. I know it isn't. And I'm absorbed in this world. So I can understand how they come from a place of fear. It's that fear of not knowing how a channel works, not, you know, the simple, me- you know, how do they post something? How long is it up there for? Well, where are the settings? But can they access this? But also, what, how do I start the conversation? What would I talk to them about? <laughs> well, and they're all natural questions as parents. So the sessions that I host are like, lots of people are thinking the exact same thing. So mm-hmm. let's, let's talk about it. Let's get it out. Let's, let's do this together. And the more we do that, and the more we can, all you know empower ourselves we can empower others can't we and it becomes this sort of like um ripple effect and that's what you want exactly right i i believe that like a conversation a community are the two biggest like the most powerful things that we have because having these difficult conversations Mm. allows other people to have the confidence to do the same and advocate for the same thing and it's it is it's so important and i couldn't imagine parents concerns out there so thank you for for sharing that advice because I I know that that would would help a a lot of people just even hearing someone say oh 
shit, I never thought to, <laughs> I never thought that was yeah. something that I actually had to do. Don't schools deal with that kind of stuff? Isn't, isn't yeah. TikTok and Instagram just them posting silly photos? You know, sometimes we have assumptions yeah. about what platforms are as well. So the, the other thing is that you mentioned earlier about two years ago when you were saying how people weren't really talking about taking a break social media. And I think that a lot of people still would say that they haven't heard that conversation happen. And I look at this as algorithm dictation and who you follow and what you're engaging with and Mm -hmm. how that soon changes your digital ecosystem. Yeah. I'm sure that that you, you you do a lot of of work and talking about that as well. So I wonder now, do you think that because you're more in the space and you're looking at more of the digital wellness and social media aspect of things, that because of the shift you've had in the content you're now engaging with or looking at and your the conversations you're having, or or do you think that it has really shifted in that time? Sometimes I I have that concern as I move into a different space of Instagram or different areas. I know on TikTok now they they say all the time, like, welcome to food TikTok or welcome to, you know, fitness TikTok because you've been sucked into one aspect of the algorithm. And I think sometimes we can do the same with our own communities or friendships and stuff like that. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a really good question, actually, Demi. Do you know what? If I'm, as you were asking that, I was thinking back through my, who I follow, the sort of circles that they're in. And yes, I do follow, you know, a few more, only a a handful more actually of, I suppose, digitally conscious sort of like social advocates. But the large majority of my feed really is across the, the business kind of like space, the school space. If I'm being honest, I feel as though the conversation is being had more readily about taking social breaks and the benefits that people are having. I do think, I do believe there are probably still, if people are taking breaks, they may not be announcing them as, uh, as readily as they, as some people are. However, the people that are announcing them more readily are those people who are very mindful of mental well-being. Uh, within what they do so it's not just social or just digital it will be within a wider coaching sphere or you know business leadership so I feel as though those leaders are a lot more vocal in terms of I'm off for three weeks and I'll put up a post on say Instagram and say right off see you later kind of thing I'm down you know take I'm removing the app I'm going I'll see you whenever Um, but I think that they're them having those conversations and and doing so openly is a good thing because it can again it reassures whomever they are reaching either through you know shares or the algorithm that it that message is getting out there that it is absolutely okay and I actually think it's it's critical that we take a break we know that from during lockdown here in the UK research was conducted Yes, social media consumption shot through the roof, but as it as it would do, as it did do across the globe, we saw that in loads of stats. I can see you nodding. It's like, yeah. <laughs> but also at the same time, there were wonderful stories about the way that, um, that our behavior using social and using our devices in terms of people 
wanting to doing actually putting their phone down and getting out going for that one today walk that they were allowed by the government they were taking that up and they were leaving their phones behind and they were enjoying that fresh air the walks the family time uh, the, the random board games whatever they were doing as a unit whatever that unit consisted of they were enjoying that non-digital time and we saw that in a, a number of surveys we also saw a change in the type of content people were happy to share and engage with on social which was more community-led which was more familial which was more supportive so I do hope that more and more people recognize the benefits of stepping away from digital removing you know apps from their phones and just trying to reconnect with humans you know, I say face to face, I know we're all in various lockdown stages. Yeah, getting that analog kind of like face to face time, or even just alone time with themselves. So, so important to be able to do that for so many reasons, creativity, our well being, you know, our, our levels of attention, all of those things that impact our entire lives, not just us as young you know as young you know young people even theirs or business owners or teachers or whatever we might be literally just our beings it affects us all mm. so I really do hope that people can embrace the fact and, and definitely really recognize the benefits of putting down that phone and switching off social I've got two kind of I want to discuss with you from that. And, and the first element is that I I mentioned about the conversation. I do believe you're right. There has definitely been a shift in conversation and digital detoxes became mm. a thing. Uh, and, and I truly believe that. But the other part is about the, I guess, the eco chamber and the change of um, what, what we follow and how that kind of dictates how we feel or mm. our outlook on, on different things and like feed diversity and all of that stuff. Because if we look at, there was actually a documentary on the other night about how if social media wasn't a thing, like Trump wouldn't be president. Mm -hmm. And sometimes mm -hmm. we can look at, you know, supporters of, of people like Trump or whatever kind of extremist groups or whatever it is. And then we think like, how, 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 like, how oh, do people think yeah. like this? How do they think it's normal and all of this kinds of stuff. And it's because that is the only shelter they're in. So sometimes mm -hmm. it's a, it's a concern for me in ways and I try and diversify my feed as much as I can and I think things like the Black Lives Matter movement this year really showed me as well how little diversity was actually on my feed and then how much oppression can happen within the algorithm and certain 100%. accounts that don't show certain things so what's your kind of perspective on on the algorithm outlook and and how we can diversify things or what's your kind of strategy been to to combat Do that. that yeah a lot of a lot of what I've been doing or trying to advocate is is that diversifying of our feed so for instance every Sunday I'll share um on a little feature that I've got on Instagram called the Sunday social so I will share a variety of accounts awesome. that I have come across in that week 
that I feel as though would help my audience to diversify their feeds. Mm. So that there are accounts that help educate us, inspire us, bring us joy as well. And from a range of, um, you know, kind of gender spectrums and, and backgrounds in the hope that 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 will inspire somebody to then follow them. And then the algorithm hopefully follows suit and, and shows them content that is similar. But also I think there's this onus on those of us who are who understand how that algorithm works. Two things. First of all, sharing with others how the algorithm works so that other people know. So if we have the exposure, then we have, I feel as though we have an, almost like a duty of social media care to help educate others who may not be aware of it, but also to then do as we do as we say, which is to diversify our feeds and tell others through the power of social and sharing that there are these other accounts that exist out there. And you're right, since you know the Black Lives Matter movement came, really came to the forefront um, earlier this year, I too have been able to have my eyes opened and to really diversify my feed. And that's why, again, coming back to this, you know, you control social, not the other way around, is the, the I suppose, the responsibility we have as, as citizens, as, as not just digital citizens, but as humans, to be able to go, right, well, if this particular device, this channel is going to have so much of an influence on our daily lives, then is our responsibility to check in with it, uh, check in with your feed, Am I following the right kind of people? Am I saying the same sort of thing all the time? Are they saying the same? Am I hearing the same message? Why is this not different? Why, why is it not being challenged? This doesn't mm. feel right. And do you know what? Sometimes digital, do you ever get this feeling sometimes that digital almost numbs you, numbs your opinions or numbs your views? Do you, does that make sense? Mm, yeah, that sense? for sure. So, <laughs> it's that, again, it comes back to that digital, that, sorry, that critical thinking is that, you know, that re getting reconnected to your gut <laughs> yeah. and going, what is my gut telling me? Do you know what? It's telling me that I feel really uncomfortable at this message that I've seen or this opinion. Mm. And this, I need to sit with this and I need to figure out why this doesn't feel right to me rather than just hit, you know, double tapping or swiping or moving on or going, yeah, kind of or not questioning it. It's that, hold on, take a beat why why do i feel like this and going away from that and thinking but maybe it's conversing with somebody else and going does this feel right have you felt the same way did you see it um or whether that's doing research or something because if we simply accept everything we see then you're right we get sucked into this strange cocoon mm. where it is you know or that echo chamber as we call it and when we just get stuck in there and our, we become more and more numb and we just accept. Mm. And then suddenly, you know, the world is developing these siloed views and extreme siloed views where what we end up doing is we all, end, you know, society end up being in these, I'm kind of thinking along the lines of alien, you know, where we're all yeah. <laughs> you, you're just <laughs> listening. You can just see Ruby's like putting her hands up as in the shapes of like cylinders. And here I am doing the same thing. No one can see us. No one, one can see us. A clip. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we end up being in this world where we're siloed and nobody's having these cross conversations. So to answer your question, <laughs> 
I think there is. I forgot what the question is, but we do need to. We we have this uh, responsibility to question, to listen to our guts, and to also to to diversify and to share. Mm. That's vastly important. Who would want to live in an echo chamber? Mm. Yeah, let's uh, crack that open. It's a must. It has to be done because we end up otherwise we end up living in a society where we where we don't converse we just end up shouting at each other shouting via social yeah <laughs> and I, that's not, I don't want to live in a world like that do you want to live in a world like that Demi? no I don't want to no, like that. no not at all and and I think um uh, first off I, I want to say for for those listening like it it takes effort. You mm. actually have to go out and, oh, yeah, yeah. and take the time to search for these things. And um, I remember when I first started teaching, um, you know, digital marketing classes, I had a little area at the end and it was like people who I follow that do kind of great. And someone called me out at the end of class and said, you've got six names here or seven names here. And one is a woman. And I was oh. like, I was like, holy shit, I'm a woman in yes. socials and the people that I look up to the voices that I listen to are all men. men and I was like why is this like why don't I have any and sometimes on socials it's the like the loudest voices or the voices with the most oh, kind of hype true. it doesn't mean that they're better at all no. it just it just means that they might have the following or the view and and all of that stuff and I remember thinking wow I've really got to do my homework here I need to find more women that I can celebrate and showcase and say they're doing amazing work and the same with you know cultural diversity or diversifying Mm. your feed from kind of stuff that educates you stuff that's Mm. like inspiration stuff Mm. that's you know all of those different factors so that if it's like 62% of millennials when they're stressed they head straight to the internet and and start scrolling self-soothing yeah Yeah. so then if you are scrolling at least you've got a a, it's also diversification of content too like not just you know gender race all of those kind of views it's not that stuff as well it's just also diversification of content to say Mm. well this serves me because it educates me this serves me because it reminds me that yeah um I am fucking the best person ever you know this (laughs) you know all all of those little kinds of things yeah and I think there's a there's something in that. You are absolutely right. It does take um, effort. It does take time. But if you if we this little device that we have constantly attached to our hands is this weird controlling uh, kind of like god like thing, isn't it? And we must we've got to remember that. It's almost having this subliminal power over us, but we don't recognize that it does. Mm. And so you're right, having that power um, or regaining that control over, you know, who we choose to follow is vastly important, which is why when I talk with parents and young people, you know, I talk about uh, creating um, a, a, a digital mandate for their family. And part of that is, well, as you explore the topic of social media, sit down together and understand, you know, question, ask, you know, have that conversation about, or oh, what is it that you want to get from social? You know, what are your inspirations, like you were saying? Who is it that you feel as though you want to follow and why? And, and going through those accounts and setting almost um, 
a bit of a, a very loose framework. It's not a business strategy. That's not what it is, but a bit of a, a guide, a, you know, a little framework that can guide you on that pathway to say, I want to follow these sorts of accounts here in sport or music or, or art or, or my, the world of careers. And I'm thinking about what I want to be when I grow up and all of that sort of stuff. Well, then look at all of those different uh, spaces. Who's in there? Who, who potentially is that leading voice? But also, <clears throat> as you emerge into that, asking others, asking you know, your friends, who is it that you follow? Why do you follow them? Or what do they get? What sort of content do they share? And that way, having that conversation so that this wonderful stream of, of thought and opinion is, is, is more rounded as you, you, know, as you open this device of yours. But it has to happen at the outset. And I think that's why we as, you know, as, as either as parents or educators, it's, you know, that's why it's even more important to have that conversation to help guide them on the way so that they set off on that digital journey from a really good starting point. A hundred percent. And I think we've, we've spoken a lot about the, the dangers and, and the, the dark sides, I guess, of, of technology and our phones and the digital space and social media in particular. It's so important to say that once you acknowledge this stuff, once mm. you realize the actual impact it's having on you and you realize that, like you say, you are in control and you can make it work for you. It's so empowering. And now I often find myself, if there's something I want to learn about, if there's something I'm embarrassed about, if there's something that I have no idea about, I will search for accounts that are talking about that and follow them to remind me this is what you're learning about. Or recently, like I've thought about, oh, I'd love to start bouldering and rock climbing or I want to live the van life. That's my new thing. And so I'll, <laughs> I'll purposely follow accounts at different levels to mm. remind myself and that's always front of mind. So it's almost like a manifestation kind of thing or a vision board. Like you can curate yeah. your feed to, to be that. There are so many useful elements that you can use in that sense as well. It's always a choice. No matter who you follow, you're the, it's your finger that's pressing that follow or unfollow button. So mm. you're absolutely right. But sometimes you forget that you have a choice because you're being fed stuff through the algorithm and through the echo chamber that you're in. So absolutely having, like you say, that vision board or that framework and going back to that and going, hold on a second, this doesn't, again, gut, listening to the gut and going, oh, something doesn't feel right, I don't know why, but let me question that. Let me go back to my vision board, let me go back to my framework, is it because of that? Mm. Let me ask some, let me ask my parent or my carer or an adult or somebody that I trust, do they get that? Does, does this make sense? Mm. And that's vastly important, having that choice, because it is a choice, a hundred percent. Yeah, I love sure. the idea of van life. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's 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 well when you can't travel overseas I'm like well what can I do, what can you do? <laughs> but but yeah you're, you're so right and and again it's there's just so many positive elements to it and once you oh. have that empowerment and you know that you're actually in control of also how you feel because we know we're going to grab the phone we know we have to be on the phone we know all of those things it's like okay so how do we get back control how do we make ourselves feel great yeah. once we leave it as well absolutely and that's why I say you know when I work with 
with who I, you know, the clients, it is about empowering them with the skills, the knowledge and the confidence to be able to use social media smartly and intentionally. And that it's all encompassing. It's exactly what you said, Demi. It's vastly important. And I love the fact that there are, you know, educators, teachers out there who are absorbing that, um, the goodness of social and flipping it in a way that works and reconnects you know with 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 the young people you know so and that's important rather than just dismissing it social out of hand which is what often happens when I'm having conversations with schools you know you'll get the senior leadership team will understand that uh, you know social is important however they think because of the the behavior behavioral aspect you know they see it as a bit of a a pain in the butt kind of thing and it's this negative space and they have to they're they're trying to uh, you know clamp down on it mm. and then you get a very small percentage of teachers that will go well actually you know I use it I can see the power of it in a positive way um how can we embrace this and so I come in as this almost like this bridging person to be able to say let's bring this all together and really kind of like empower you guys as, as, as a teaching faculty but also just reconnect with with your students mm. because if there is that disconnect and I see it happen you know what it's like those barriers go up on either side and nothing gets past so you don't get that wonderful flourishing relationship nourishing relationship that can happen and be of great benefit to both parties yeah so I think Social media really is becoming, and I, f- I don't know whether you agree, over this last, I'll probably say this year, in fact, because of potentially because of COVID, I think a lot more people are having a lot more different conversations about social in ways that they recognise, better recognise the social impact that it is having on people. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. It's it's not just socials. I, I was on Purposely Podcast and she she's a mother as well and she was saying how her her eight-year-old son came up to her and said, Mum, you know, what's the point of living? And I remember hearing that and oh I was gosh. like, oh, my goodness. And I mentioned it to a friend and she said, who's a teacher, and she said, I've had a student come up to me and say the exact same thing, same age, eight, and say the same thing. And I was yeah. like, that is wild. It is what COVID has, and she was like, you know, what do you think about the youth when it comes to socials and the impact that that stuff's happening? And I was saying, well, if Corona and uh, coronavirus and all of these kinds of things are forcing parents to have these conversations with their kids because they're, they're saying these things, mm. then I... I would say that that's that's a blessing. It's forcing people to have these mental health conversations because everyone's mm. been impacted. You know, everyone's seen the dip. Those people who were always on a high or whatever have now been been impacted regardless. And so if that means that we're having more conversations around it, then I'm I'm almost thankful. Like like I said, everyone's everyone's had an impact. So I think it's important. I think socials play a big part in that because it's more reach. It's more for sure. It also has its place, doesn't it? And that's the thing. You know, we've talked about social being so encompassing, Mm. but even more so, it's a recognition that along with the skills, the knowledge, and the confidence, it's the ability because of all of those three things to put down the phone and step away from that 
and have that human connection in whatever form we can currently have it these days. Mm. Nothing, I mean, I love social, but nothing will beat the, the sentiment and the feeling that you get from that human that human touch, that human connection. And I know we can't go around touching people <laughs> for COVID reasons, but it's that, you know, that reconnection with, with people actually face to face. Yeah. It's that it's about bridging that gap. And that's one thing that the millennial crisis has always tried to do is bridge the gap of, okay, like, can we build this community online? Can we build, have these conversations online, but how do we then translate that? Because we see the rates of like social anxiety and and the way, you know, people can't even be at the dinner table. And I'm guilty of it too, you know. I'm guilty of being out with friends and jumping on my phone or someone talking yeah. to me and me seeing it ping and, and looking down at it even. Those little things. And it's about calling ourselves out uh, on it all. We're yep. not all perfect, Demi, at That's all. That's it, unfortunately, we're <laughs> not, are we? <laughs> Oh, that's the thing. It's like, like you say, it's recognizing that it's happened, calling it out and going, hold on, hold on, hold on. What were my values again? What was I saying about what I want, the intentions that I'd set for social? What is it that I want to get from it? Okay, that wasn't it. And I've missed a moment with my, you know, my friend, she was saying blah, 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 whatever. Call it out and then just get back, just get back on that pathway again. We're, We're only human. That's it. Spot on. We, we are unfortunately getting towards the end of the podcast. I feel like I could talk to you for another two hours, but have three questions that I ask all of my guests at the end of each episode. First question that I have for you, what is the first small step you took to get to where you are right now? Wow. For me, it was educating myself no matter whether that's through my the business or me as a person or me as a mother absolutely educating myself because then I was able to answer some of the questions that were ruminating inside me and I wondered was I the only one asking these questions Mm. am I the only person thinking this way educating myself definitely I love that that's a that's an awesome one The next question I have for you is what is your biggest millennial crisis right now? And I define a millennial crisis as a privilege problem that consciously or subconsciously affects your mental health and well-being. I think it's got to be surely around uh, communication and the lack of in-person, non-digital conversations that aren't being had and the fear around conversing with others without a device that for me is very very that is a that is a big big issue and if not addressed I do I am fearful of the world that will that is yet to come because of that and what what would that look like in fact I don't even want to think about that where would we be without a world where we couldn't converse with one another we could only do it via text or only do it via a overly edited email or DM. That's worrying. That's a good one. <laughs> wow. No, yeah. No, no, no. It's still, that definitely, that definitely fits in the, the millennial crisis thing because these connections, having these resources available to us is a privilege in itself, you know, in, in when you think of 
other the way other people live and, and all of those things so it's it's definitely a millennial crisis for sure the the final question i have for you is what is one thing that you're curious about or want to explore there are so there are so many things that i'm curious about i think there's two things really and they're quite diverse firstly it is i'm very curious about brain development with young people and the impact that being absorbed so much into this almost being born with a mobile phone or you know connected into the digital space the impact that is have that is having on brain development and the impact that that will therefore have on our emotional ability our social communication human connection uh, society the impact that that's had and i don't that's there is no evidence there at the moment obviously because it's happening so it's currently being, you know, researched. So I'd love to be able to, I'm curious about that. And then secondly, I'm randomly curious about, um, I read a book recently that was by a non-binary author. So I'm very curious about exploring that particular world and reading more from authors who are non-binary and, you know, rec- trying to educate myself again within that particular space so they're quite diverse (laughs) those are the top of the two things off the top of my head (laughs) I love that no they're they're both (laughs) awesome before before we get into your challenge do you have any real piece of advice or something that you really want people to know about how they can take control of of their socials and or something that you find really really helps people do you know the one The one thing that I keep coming back to, even if, you know, just for myself as well, is remembering that you have a choice. You, and and that is so, so important. You have the choice to follow. You have the choice to unfollow. You have the choice to put down the phone. You have the choice to have the conversation. You have the choice to listen to your gut. So for me, it's that, it's just remembering that. And if you can remember that, I feel as though that is a great positive trigger, a positive influence to, to question and to be able to start regaining control. We're not always in control 100% of the time, and that's the thing. We need to give ourselves a break. But it's that if you rem- remind yourself that you have a choice, you will be able to almost reground yourself and come back to kind of like sorting that out. Yeah, I I really love that. And that's amazing. And I think it's one thing that people get really caught up in is, but I have Mm. to be on Instagram or I have to, or this won't. And it it really, it it can drive us crazy, you know, (laughs) feeling as though we don't have, have, have control. So I think that's really awesome advice. Sorry, I know we've got to wrap this up. No, I know. Yeah. You know, when you take a break from social and then you come back on, what's really liberating is that you recognize that life is still pretty much the same as it was when you left it you know within the digital world it's like really didn't miss much did I on the digital world but I've gained so much in the analog world in the real world in the human world um and that for me when you can recognize that experience that it's just carried on, but you were, you've become better as, you know, uh, you become stronger or you've become whatever, you know, whatever positive experience it is that then enables you to take more and more breaks. 
Mm. Yeah, but I mean, I used to post every day for nearly three years on on Instagram. And uh, when I took a break last year while I was away, it was three months and I didn't take a full break. It was just from my like personal brand kind of account. And it was only Instagram still posting everywhere else. But um, it was so it was it was crazy that when I came back, like you mentioned, nothing had changed yeah it, it, it was a couple of weeks of kind of getting back into the algorithms becoming the algorithms friend or whatever you know yeah. but it was it was so fine and and you're right once you realize that everything becomes a whole lot better your challenge so what, what do you have for the listeners to do this week oh, the challenge I think is probably a variation on what I'd set you know for parents I'm talking to with their young with their young children and that really is to set this framework of what is this intentional social media framework? What is it that you want to be able to get out of social? What is it that you want to be able to give back? Because it's a community. So it's a two-way thing. It's not just sitting there and absorbing and listening, but it's also contributing. So I think it's creating this framework and sitting there and saying, right, well, what is it that I, what, what are those key interests? What is it that I want to be curious about? You ask me, what is it I want to be curious about? Who is it that I think I'm following at the moment that doesn't serve that purpose? And being able to then take control and unfollow and follow um, accordingly and curate this beautiful, diverse, fulfilling, self-fulfilling, self, you know, this fully, uh, you know, self-appreciating kind of like feed that would be the challenge and that's going to take time and you may find it frustrating it may go on for you know I don't think you'll get it in potentially like one sitting (laughs) but it is to create that you know that framework that is purpose-led it's values-led that is community-led and that is good for the self I love that. That's an awesome challenge. And I'm so glad you've set that. And, and if, as people do that, as people do kind of develop, develop that along the way, like Ruby said, that it's not going to be this one, you know, snap your fingers and it's kind of done thing. Uh, Please let us know what you, what you find from it. So send me or or let Ruby know, I'm sure she would, or (laughs) if you do listen to the episodes, screenshot it and and share it to your stories and, and tag us. So if people do all of your links will be in the show notes, but can people best connect with you? On Instagram at Wild and Form Digital. I'm on LinkedIn under my own name, Ruby Boglewood. And then there's my website. Beautiful. Well, like I said, please do let us know how you go with the challenge. Thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast. You are absolute pleasure to have on. And I'm so glad that you took the time out today to chat with me about socials and education and all the little bits that that we got to cover today so thank you so much I know I'm sure that the audience found a wealth of knowledge I know I did I hope so thank you so much for asking me Demi and I'm so glad and I'm so grateful that our paths have crossed as they have done it was meant to be and this has been this has been brilliant thank you for your time I really do appreciate it and I hope that like you say your listeners have taken something from that 100% awesome thanks Ruby thank you thanks so much for listening I hope you enjoyed this awesome conversation with Ruby like always if you do today's challenge please let myself and Ruby know or share it to your socials and be sure to tag us in your posts so we can check them out 
If you have not joined one of our millennial conversation events, I would love nothing more than to continue the conversation there with you. If you want to find out more about them, you can check out the link in the show notes or jump to the Millennial Crisis website and register for one of the events there. That's all for today. I will see you next week. Bye bye.